Alright, Husey here. Uh, we are back with another episode of Through the Door Podcast. Through the Door Podcast is sponsored by Wargi Productions. Uh, Wargi Productions make and produce some of the UK's top charting podcasts. Um, if you have an idea for a podcast um, and want to sort of get it off the ground and get it made, uh, head over to www.wargi, that's W-O-R-G-I-E productions.com and uh, take a look at some of the examples um, of podcasts that they've worked on. Um, they make podcasts for celebrities, high street brands, uh, corporate companies, all kinds of things. So head over there, take a look, and if you like what you see, get in contact and see how they can help out. In this episode, we got to sit down with uh, multi-Grammy award-winning mastering engineer, uh, John Greenham. John is based out in LA and uh, currently works with Billie Eilish. I think he has done all of her singles and albums, um, or if not, he's done most of them. Um, he's also worked with Sam Smith and um, people like Ice Cube. He's got quite an extensive client list. Um, super nice guy. And, you know, he goes into uh, not just the technical side of what he does, but also the general sort of ethos around what it takes to be successful, um, not just in music, but in his particular sector of, of mastering as well. So well worth a listen. Um yeah, uh, the, the podcast may contain a little bit of blue language here and there. Um, so if you are listening to, uh, with either in, in the car or with anybody that may become offended by that, then obviously uh, be warned. Um, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform it is that you're listening to us on. And uh, go over to Instagram, and Twitter, uh, Facebook, and give us a like, comments, Um yeah, I'll stop talking now and, and let the podcast start. Thank you. Bye. Huh? Good cool. Over to you, sir. Are we rolling? Yeah, we are. John Greenham, thank you so much for uh, taking some time out to, to, to come on our podcast today. Um, We've had a few people on this podcast so far, but this is definitely our first Grammy award-winning mastering engineer. Am I right in saying mastering engineer? Mastering or? engineer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, real privilege to be to be sitting at this table with you today, sir. Yeah, and thank um, you. hopefully, we'll be able to get some decent nuggets of information uh, along the way. Yes, indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, John, for coming on through the door. Uh, so, the first thing we always start with is uh, essentially how and why did you get into making sound. From like the, the beginning as well, if yeah, possible. Yeah, I know. Well, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, I think basically I, I started by... I met this guy who had worked at Bernie Grunman Mastering in Los Angeles and he moved up to San Francisco and we had a room we were recording. And uh, I watched him working on um, like a stereo file, you know, some music that had already been mixed... And he started EQing it, and he made this tiny little EQ move, like took out a little notch, sort of somewhere in the mid-range mm -hmm. area. And the whole thing kind of came to life, and I was like, that is fascinating. Mm -hmm. And I, so I was hooked, you know, and I've been trying to figure out what he did ever since. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, so that's that's basically it. It's, it's, it's really an interesting thing working with, you don't have, control over the individual elements but you can do a lot to affect sort of the overall vibe of it you know you, there's a lot of things you can do and in fact um yeah it's always amazing sometimes people are amazed and they send you something and you send it back to them and it works and they go thank you so much <laughs> sounds fantastic i play it in my car it's great i play it on my laptop it's great thank you so you can really sort of help people which is that's the main objective, really. That's what I'm here for. You know, it's like just people, you know, people working on their own stuff, and they take it out to their car, and it sounds horrible, and then they don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like that is the biggest thing. And yeah. you know, trends on online when you see people talking about mixing, mastering, it's got to be one of the biggest ones. I've taken it to the car and I've listened, and it's yeah. it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what do you do? I, think, I guess that, that probably is one of the things that mastering takes care of, though, right? Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> I think um, 
In most cases, it's um, like you'll get a mix from somebody, and, and I'm not talking about sort of, you know, people who are really good and have like really nicely tuned rooms and all that stuff. But um, somebody that's <clears throat> making a, a record in their home studio, um, you know, very often they'll be sort of cranking the bass because mm -hmm. they want to hear it, and maybe the room is fighting against them, you know, and there's no, there isn't, you know, there's some sort of node or some problem with the bass that they can't, they're not aware of. So when you get it, and they send, then when they take it out to their car, it sounds, mm. but they don't really know why. And so that's really half, it, it's, a lot of it is low-end problems. Getting the low end right is sort of nine tenths of the battle, really. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so you you basically it's kind of like um, uh, the way I look at it is that there's sort of if you get the low end and the mid range and the top sort of standing up in a straight line, so that it can it's like I see it's like something it can stand up straight on its own. Yeah. Mm. I suppose it's like it's got too much bass, not enough treble, or it's too, the treble's too forward or something like that. Yeah. Then it, it, it will probably, it'll translate, I mean, it won't be perfect on whatever people, because there's a tremendous variety of some pretty ghastly uh, playback systems, you know. Mm -hmm. But it will work. You'll be able to hear the signature of it. Um, so that's basically... You know, that's basically one aspect of it. And then, then the other thing is that it's an aesthetic. You know, it's mm. like um, it's a, like a matter of taste. It's like, and the way that it works is basically pretty much, you know, somebody will send you something. And if it's from, I don't know, Josh Goodwin or somebody, it probably sounds really good. And you're going, what am I going to do to this? <laughs> <laughs> like nothing, basically. Yeah. Or you'll listen to it and you'll, like, instantly you'll be like, okay, this, you, you'll hear what you want it to sound like. Yeah. You'll hear where it can go. Because that's the thing about mastering, you listen to finished stuff mm. every day. So you know what the finished stuff sounds like. You know what finished sounds mm. like. Mm. So then... Um, then it's a question of how do you get there, so then you start mucking about with trying things. Sometimes, like if somebody sends me a song, I can finish it in like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. Because I know exactly, I hear it and I go, right, this is it, you know. And then sometimes you go to try different things and actually, no, that didn't work. So then you've got to sort of dig in a bit and... Um, yeah, I, 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 just, I can't remember what it was I was working on the other day, and it, it took me, like, the entire afternoon to mm. master one song. I was like, are you, are you ever, do you ever get involved in the structural side of things or, or anything? If you, if, you, if you receive a track or an album or whatever, and you, you're listening to it and you're going, actually, you know what, this, is, this would sound so much better if we could, you know, maybe cut out a bunch of stuff to make the chorus drop in, and, and all, you yeah, know, yeah, the, yeah. the kind of dynamics is what yeah. I was looking for. So, so on, the, on the, well, yeah, on the, in the Sequoia workstation... I use you can cut the file into segments and then you can change the EQ you can change the limiting you can change the you know you can you can sort of and sometimes you can also do that through the analog chain you can mm. record three different bits and edit them together mm. so you can um, yeah definitely I mean uh, you know a simple example is sometimes when you put a limiter on things you end up with a verse is louder than the chorus because mm. you know, everything comes in and it, yeah so yeah you can you you we had that reason yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah we did yeah <laughs> so basically that's that's sort of a that's sort of a you know that's a that's a kind of thing that you you listen to the mix and then you go oh yeah well actually this is what, what they intended it to mm. be like so then you kind of you know make it conform to mm. the same kind of so what, what, I, what I find interesting from a master, master, mastering engineer's perspective is when you get files, when you receive um, uh, stems and if you stem mastering or something, uh, have you ever, in my, in my new, newer experience of that final process, is that what I've learned, especially from making music digitally or annually or however, less is more, I think, sonically, right? So I've also worked on, on some other pro product, uh, sorry, projects years and years ago we had like a hundred stems on a track so when you open that what's your first reaction <laughs> well so so basically i don't you know i used to do quite a lot of mixing actually mm. um but i mostly these days i'm only working well sometimes i'll get a, a 
like a song that has you know it's got low end problems mm -hmm. but it's sort of the kick and the bass so yeah. I'll tell them can you send me like sometimes I'll, I'll get I'll have them send me um all the music and the bass on a separate track or the yeah. vocals on a separate track or you know music drums hmm. whatever you know if you listen to it and you think that it could benefit from that kind of treatment hmm. then I'll have people hmm. bounce out that kind of stuff but I try not to do that because then you're mixing it. Yeah. 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 So then they'll yes. come back and say, can you make the vocal like mm. 0.3 of a dB louder in this one section? And then you're, then you're off to the races. You know, <laughs> like, so then you have to figure out how to bill for that. Cause it's, you know, um, you know, you end up sort of, you know, there's three or four revisions and you're like, mm -hmm. so yeah, uh, but I'm sorry, that didn't really, yeah. No, so no, I don't, I don't generally, I'm working no. with a stereo file. Yeah. Um, if I do open it up and there's loads of stuff, that's no problem as long as they've printed it with everything, mm. all the effects they want and stuff. And as long as that, like, that's actually quite difficult, I think, to do. Uh, uh, and I remember I got some stuff recently like that. And, like, I got one of the things had been mixed by somebody and I put all the files into my workstation and it kind of just didn't work. Mm. And then I got this thing from Manny Marroquin, who's like really knows what he's doing. Oh, I've got some of and his I, uh, plugins. He makes plugins, yeah. right, for Waves. Yeah. So I put the, all his yeah. stems into the session, and it came out exactly like the mix, and it was perfect. So, <laughs> but it, so it has to be like that, mm. you know. Because um, it's it's interesting. I from, from sort of the lessons I've learned from watching some of my music being mastered, and and I'm sure some of our listeners will want to sort of. The advice and the, the sort of tips on what not to do in a, in a in a in a mix or even a stereo that to send a mastering mm. engine. Like, uh, but yeah, I think people get confused with they do mixing. What? Yeah. Hmm. When, when do you stop mixing? Especially in a, in an electronic format, yeah. right? Because the the writing process is the recording process is the mixing process, yes, yes, and yes. you almost arrive at the end. Yes. But then, so, it's kind of, you know, I think people get, are confused yeah, with, yeah, with the actual, what is the purpose of well, the mastering so, process? Yeah, yeah. so in, in electronic, in sort of EDM hmm. style music, I think that people generally don't use mastering problems. Really? Yeah. Well, they probably do it all themselves. Because, I mean, you know, the thing is, you're, you're, so, you know, as you know, if you're mixing into a limiter... If you take the limiter off and send it to the master, all your levels are going to be complete. Mm. Because, I mean, in order to get, like, turn the snare up yeah, half a dB into a bunch of limiting, you've got to move it up, like, right. 4 dB. And if yeah. you take the limiter off, you're it's gonna, just going to kill It's it. going to be yeah. completely <laughs> impossible to, to deal with. You know, and that yeah. happens sometimes in mastering. It's known as sabotaging the mastering engineer. The <laughs> guy, you know, the first, time I, the first time that happened to me is like, I was working with this band on this album and I did the whole thing and I sent it to them and they're like, no, we don't really like it. You know, can you, can you do it again? And then I did it again and they still didn't like it. And I, I was like, well, what are you listening to? And they sent me the things that they got from the mixer. And it was like, there was like multi-band compression. Oh. There was like all kinds of stuff. And I, I was like, yeah, thanks. Mm. You know, you send me that in the first place. I had no idea there was all that stuff on it. I thought, because you assume that, you know, when people send you a mix, that that's what they, you know, that that's what they're happy yeah. with it. Yeah. But in this case, they, so you can't just take all that stuff off and send it to mastering. So, yeah, I think, in fact, I mean, people ask me this, do you want to, you know, should I leave the limiter on or should I do? And my answer is, yeah, if that's how you want it to sound, if you get it how you want it to sound, then you know just send it to me and just don't slam it quite as hard but don't sort of destroy the integrity mm. of what it is you've done mm. but I, I think um yeah a lot there was this big discussion on one of the mastering uh, uh forums on facebook the other day about skrillex you know because mm -hmm. skrillex like you know the sort of average is equal to the peak in <laughs> all of his music it's like super loud yeah people are all going on about how you know his stuff would sound better if he left some dynamics in it. And I'm like, you're going to seriously tell Skrillex how he should work with his music. So, yeah, if it works, mm. and if that's the main thing. It's like, it doesn't really matter, honestly, um, if it moves people, then it's, that's it. You know, don't have it mastered. If it's, if, you know, 
if you have a you know the basically i guess the mastering thing is like a sort of um you develop relationships with people so then they know what you've got mm. they know what you can bring to mm. it they send you something that you can they leave you a little bit of room to work on it mm. otherwise yeah there's not much you can do really if it's already and in fact i i, I i've said to several people lately i'm like i this is done I, there's nothing further that I can do with it. It's a very honest approach. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people that wouldn't take that. Well, this is a, this is what the a certain mastering house in New York that shall remain nameless or yeah. famous for. They they'll send you back your thing, and you're like, hmm? I don't really hear any difference. You know, they'll charge you like five hundred dollars. I'll be it. But uh, no, I don't. If I can't do anything to it, then if it sounds, I think. Good. Generally, what I'm trying to do though is, um, yeah, I'm trying to bring something to the party. Mm. Like, mm. you know, I, I usually actually my my I, I've had my sound described as detailed and futuristic. That's an interesting yeah. um, point, really, because how do you kind of differentiate yourself in the, in a mastering world? If if people are kind of I don't know if perplexed is the right word or kind of ambivalent over the, depending on the genre, how, how applicable mastering is, but how, how do you define yourself when there's so many other people that are kind of doing mastering engineering and, and, and mixing, you know, what, what, what makes you different and, and how can you kind of carve a career from that? Well, I think I have a sound. In fact, I know I have a sound. I mean, it be, you know, for example, on the Billie Eilish record, there's people that I've worked with that have heard that thing, and they're like, "Yeah, I can hear your, I can hear your signature on that." Mm. So, you know, everybody has a sound. If you send a mix to five different mastering engineers, mm. you're going to get five different things, mm. and they might they might not be huge differences, but there will definitely be differences. There's a different vibe. So, so it's like um. Part of it is, is, you know, you probably all have different gear. Mm. Um, and then part of it is that we just all hear it differently, mm. you know. Um, so, and in fact, um, with uh, Billy's album, um, Interscope in there, well, even though I'd been working with her for the last two years, when it came time to master the album, I got this text from her manager that said, uh, the labels decided they want to send this song to a few different mastering engineers. Like, like, great, you know that's like <laughs> you, 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 you've been doing a part in a successful TV show for two years, and then season three they audition somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's sort of right. what that is. So I was like, well, okay, whatever, you know. So they sent me the song, and I sent it back to them. And of course, um, I mean, I don't know. You know, I'm not going to say who the other people were, but they don't know. You know, I've been working with her since the beginning of her career, so mm. that's her sound. Mm. And so I think when people... I don't think it's that I'm more talented than these other people. I think it's just that her sound is... That's what it is, you know, mm. and it's partly... It's Rob Kanelsky mixing it and me mastering it and mainly Phineas's production, and we've all been working together for, you know... A while, so we've got sound, mm. and and subsequently created a really well received record as well. Yeah, which yeah. which sounds amazing, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one of the things definitely was um, I'm new to the Billie Eilish world. Probably I'm too old, maybe, and my kids are too young, so she kind of just sails in the middle <laughs> of that whole thing. But um, so I've, I've been kind of uh, educating myself, and the first thing that that jumped out at me uh, was the the amount of bass. First of all, versus the whispering, almost whispering vocal, mm. um, and the awesome balance. Yeah, I could imagine what, yeah, what that was like mixing and, and mastering. I, I mean, I, I don't know though because I played it after Rubber Soul. I was listening to the yeah. Beatles, <laughs> right? And so, you know, the comparisons kind of. But yeah, I, I don't know what what was that. What, what was that like? Was that a challenge? Or I know that sometimes bass can kind of swamp uh, a, a mix and an overall sound. But when she's kind of whispering and you've got those intricate sounds, and the bass is, is yeah, huge. huge. Yeah. It's, it's a favourite thing in my production. I love. Yeah, those. it's a, it's Absolutely. it's very very well produced. Mm. Yeah, I I I think it's more in the arrangement really, mm. because really it's what it is is like um, it's like a 
you know, it's like a sea of bass with some vocals poking out yeah. on top of it. And then there's a few little, well, the production on it as well, which is mm. very kind of understated. I mean, that's mm. Phineas's style, you know, a brother. So I could get these little very quiet... That's a brother? Things. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, another piece of education. There you go. Yeah, so <laughs> he's, he, you know, they write the music together. Um, but, yeah, I think um, neither myself nor Rob Kanelsky did very much to disturb what was already there um and in fact when i finished working on it uh in fact rob and i were discussing it and we were saying well, we hope we don't get into trouble because <laughs> there's a lot of bass on it <laughs> i mean there was one tune and i'll have to, i think it was about three songs in you'll have to excuse me on the name Ooh. of it but um Zanny, yes that's the one. Yeah. Thank you. And right. I, I, I don't know whether yeah, my car's ever going to recover. Yeah, it was. It was. No, that's going to. That one is. That one is a favourite topic on the <laughs> mastery boards. People are like, you know. It, in fact, this there's a, a guy who, who's, who's sort of uh, has a you know his his kind of he's become a sort of thought leader in um, uh, you know the dynamic like the Spotify normalisation thing. Right. Yes. And he was like he did this like. 15 minute video which was an analysis of that song right and with all the readings and all that stuff and he was like so yeah people are very interested in that whole thing and it's a bit weird seeing your work critiqued when people commenting you know <laughs> who mastered this you know what is it but it's like ultimate and, and in the end i i commented on it, i said well first of all when you get these kind of projects you don't have any time to work on them right because all the time, you know, and it's going out to manufacture, and that's it. Mm -hmm. It's not. It's not like you can analyze it and think about it. You just have to mm. go. You know, yeah. you just have to do it. So, you know, there's that. And then, I mean, I thought it sounded really cool. Oh I man, it, it sounds really You know, really it's good. like yeah. I didn't have any problem yeah. with it. I thought it was, yeah. And there's a lot of bass on it, but mm. you know, um, somehow or another, and and. It's a very interesting. It's very difficult to say. I mean, you know, audio somehow is so complex, and what works and what doesn't. Yeah, on what different systems and in what mm. kind of. Because yeah. a lot of people like me, you know, you've got the bass cranked up to about three. You've got your, you've got your treble. Yeah. You wouldn't repeat that on your home stereo, right. and it's not going to sound like that on a bow on a, one of the small bows. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, mm. on, on headphones, it's going to be a different thing. So, mm. and also, as then there's the um, the context of it. So, like I'm saying, what were you listening to before? Mm. And then that kicks in, and you're like, whoa. whoa. Yeah. You know, mm. but whereas if you'd been listening to heavy bass music before mm. that, probably wouldn't be so much of a, no. of a shock. But um, but I listened to that album actually when I was driving, uh, you know, visiting the UK. I was driving down from uh, the Lake District town up there for a couple of days, and I was there on Saturday. On my way, no, <laughs> <laughs> on my way down, uh, my friend who was in the car with me wanted to hear this album. She'd never heard it, so I got it on, you know, Spotify and. Bluetooth and the, the horrible sound system in my Toyota Yaris <laughs> and uh, and we listened to the album and I hadn't actually listened to the whole thing probably since I worked on it like all the way through everything and um, I have to say it sounded really good mm. on that and it's probably that's probably like 128 it's probably the lowest mm. resolution Spotify stream yeah yeah and you know the Bluetooth and the car stereo and the whole thing. But the thing is, it's it it it's really punchy, even at that resolution. Mm. And yeah, it was kind of a bit sort of messed up sounding, but it was exciting to listen to. Mm. You know, definitely. It yeah. the the kind of vibe of it mm. came through really well, and it's partly because it, it it's like a different kind of music than other stuff that's out there. I mean, if you listen to you know, the top 10 on Spotify, there's like bad guy and then there's mm. all the other stuff mm -hmm. sounds really different. Mm. It's a totally different. It's yeah. a really interesting pop sound, if you like, and, yeah. it, and it's refreshing, I think, mm. being that she's a, a young artist as well and, mm. and the songs are, that are, yeah, massively dynamic. When I saw, uh, I think it was the Glastonbury performance recently mm. and she looked cool and it all sounded great live as well and it's mm. just the, the whole thing. It's edgy it's as well. But it's, it's very nice, refreshing. It's, ni it's nice to have a bit of edge. Yeah, of course. She was pretty sick during that. Oh really? Oh really? All mm. oh, right, blimey! Nailed it then. <laughs> I mean, yeah, blimey! I mean, it's 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 massively interesting to see how like the development of 
the electronic music. The reason I got into uh, electronic music was the UK early sort of late grime dubstep scene. I was in a, I was in a punk band for years and years. Various uh, adept guitar for various bands in the UK and toured loads, wrote loads in different bands. And then suddenly I had no band members and was in a club and just heard a Function One system for the first time on an old analog um, little mixer system that was like from like the late seventies from a, a guy that used to own a club and Plastic People. Sorry, called Plastic People on Curtain Road, and listening to bass kick through that with the sheer clarity of like the top end and everything just coming together and standing in the middle of this square room and just letting it fill me. It was like mm. I want to know how to make that mm. like immediately. I want to see how that works, and then just seeing it visually versus the, the the feeling of it and then the performance of it. But the, what's developed over the years is that that music is now performable. People are performing that it, those tones. That sort of the I mean, Björk did it years ago in a, in a way, in mm-hmm. a very different way. And her live shows have, have since developed massively. And like the producers she's worked with, like Arca, Hacks and Cloak. And I mean, I don't actually know the mastering engineers on, on those. But um, I don't know if uh, Mandy Parnell had anything to do with any Björk stuff, actually. Mm, but, um, mm. but, well, Spank sent Smith to all of that stuff. He did, yes. And Spank actually has, you know, he's now living in Los Angeles. I mm. see him quite often. He works at East West. He's got mm. a room there. But yeah, he's, he's mm. sort of. It's funny because he's my idol, really. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, like, he's, he's done all the good records. And yeah. when I met him, I was like, I didn't know who, I didn't, I didn't know what he looked like, you know. And I said, this is my friend Adam Mosley is friends with him, and I saw him at this party. And mm. I said, "Hello, Adam." And he goes, "Oh, John, let me introduce you. This is Spike's Dent." I yeah. Like, I was like yeah. starstruck. <laughs> That's but unreal. he's such a humble guy. Yeah. He's like completely. Yeah. And he's like, and I was like, I was like. Uh, and he goes, oh yeah, that sounded really good to begin with. I didn't do much to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> just love that's that. what we all say. Uh, that's that. what you just said about yeah, the Billy Idol. Exactly <laughs> that. <laughs> One thing that I wanted to pick up on what you said before actually was that, that it ties in with some of our previous guests and like including Plastician as well, which is about if something just sounds good from mm. Raw, yeah, uh, the ability to actually hear it as what it is and accept it, mm. because that is like the punk rock ethos, if you like, or just. Just the, the DIY ethos, if you can make something sound good, it doesn't matter if it's wrapped up and distorted and bit crushed and whatever, yeah. even if there's not a kick drum throughout the whole bloody song, if it sounds cool and it's made that way, mm. then if you can embellish it and you can make it mm. um, not more palatable, but more dynamic and bigger. Well, see, the thing is, is that um, it really does it move people. Yeah, exactly. As I said, and, and I mean, some, if, if you listen, to, if it either works... Mm. Or, you know, in mastering or mixing, you think it can make it work better. Or you see something about it that you that could be. Yeah. Because, I mean, for example, it took me many years to realize that, um, for example, when you, when you, when you run uh, the stereo mix through a compressor, if you're compressing the low end, you're changing the groove. Mm. And groove is king. Groove is king. It, music is about people dancing. Yeah, I agree massively. Fundamentally. Yeah. So if you're, if the bass player, for example, you're assuming it's music with the bass player, yep. um, you know, they're probably playing through a LA2A or something, they're playing through a compressor, mm-hmm. and that's the way they heard it, and that's what they felt when they were playing it. So mm. if you're going to put compression on it, mm. that's going to change their idea. Mm. So what you need to do is you know high pass the compression you just need to compress but you've got to leave the bottom alone mm. you can't you've got to leave the bottom end alone because that's what's making it that's what's making it work even eqing it is dodgy honestly mm. that's why it's better if you've got to do a lot of stuff to the bottom end it's really better to ask for stems or to mm. just phone them up and mm. so you know it's like i was working with um i worked on this record with um Mr. Hudson recently, mm-hmm. and it just so happens that he lives near me in, in Los Angeles now. And the way we did that was he would come over and we would work on one song a day. And he was just working um, on his laptop in his uh, house that he rented. And so, you know, I would say to him, you know, how about turning the bass down a bit? <laughs> 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 so he would get on his laptop and then send me another mix and we kind of so that, that's that's actually a good way to work mm. like that um, but so um, rather than yeah do a lot that's that's 
you know, going to change the character of, or, or, or to change the groove, you know. And that's especially true with um, 808s, because 808s uh, are, they're very finicky, you know, they're very, mm. e- it's very easy to fuck it up. Mm. Mm. No, 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 that's no, fine. You, There's lots of that on this. Um, <laughs> swear, swear as much as you like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's and I, I actually learned that working with Ice Cube. Oh, really? Because I, I sent him a song and I ran it through my Shadow Hills compressor mm-hmm. and I thought, oh yeah, it sounds really good. The voice sounds really good and everything. I sent it to him and he's like, like those guys, you know, Don't I is <laughs> a very high functioning individual. Hmm. He knows exactly what he wants. I mean, he's like, you know, you send him stuff and he's got an email two minutes later, you know, but, you know, more foot and less sub. Hmm. That was my favorite instruction for him. <laughs> More foot, less sub. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he was like, yeah, I sent him this thing and he was like, no, I don't like it. The mix sounds better. So I was like, hmm. And then I realized that that, that that's really when it, what clued me into the whole thing because the, the Shadow Hill's got, you know, these big transformers in it mm. and, and basically it's going through all that wire and it kind of slows everything down. So... Mm. It's got to be, um, you know, you if you got if you're going to put it through analog stuff, it's going to be really clean mm. so that it's quick. Mm. It's too slow. Quick response, yeah. Yeah, so you can't. Otherwise, it makes the kind of whole thing kind of cloudy. That and makes sense. It, it sort, it of, dull, sort of dulls the edges a little bit. It dulls the edges and also destroys the kind of groove of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mucking up the Beta Eights basically. Do you ever? Get and if you listen to it carefully, you can hear it happening. But I. I had a, um, you know, because when you're listening to stuff, you know, you kind of have an overall listening thing. But then if you start listening, you know, maybe you work on it and you don't actually, maybe when you're you're putting the compressor in and listening to how it sounds, you're listening to the vocal or you're listening mm. to mm. some other part of the production. But when you actually z- listen to the 808s and you do that, you can hear it's kind of like, it's kind of shortening the whole thing mm. slightly. And it's not, you know, it, it's not very noticeable, but it, well, to, to him it was. Mm. <laughs> it was instantly <laughs> yeah, noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Well, um, when, when you, if you're recording the vocal and you get something back, you don't always listen to what you've done, though. Uh, I've noticed that about, mm, about what sometimes. We've done. Yeah, when yep. you get something back and actually I'm listening to the track and I don't care about the bit that I did. So, yeah, you, you, you're going to pick up on those. Do you, do you ever get lost in the volume? issue that seems to be kind of killing mastering at the moment in terms of like volume clarity mm. people just using um mm. you know uh, what's it called um what limiting uh, not limiting no. the maximizer maximizer yeah there's a plugin yeah. that everybody i can't remember the name of it now it's a waves plugin but everybody just uses it and just rides the volume mm. and mm. just kills all the top end and stuff mm. is that is that something that you you, you ever find yourself battling against or um well so basically i've spent my entire career Learning how to make things loud. Yeah. Mm. But the, the Billy Eilish like was years loud. Thinking about it. Yeah. Billy Eilish thing is not that loud. It, well, maybe that was the rubber soul problem. I've been mm. listening to that. <laughs> it was louder than that, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, so, yeah, the loud thing is like, um, there's a lot of stuff going on about that at the moment because, as you know, Spotify turns the stuff down if mm. it's the average level is higher and stuff like that. so but is to, into it, sorry just quickly is the ma- uh, mastered for apple thing is that also mm. bringing the db down no it's not mm. oh. no it's just 24 bit it's just so that it right. doesn't you make it so that it doesn't clip when they convert yeah. it to <coughs> right aac or whatever what, it is yeah okay. four or gotcha. but anyway um yeah the loud thing you know um People say, "Oh, it'd be great if it had more dynamics stuff there," but I don't. I, I don't know. I think it sounds good if it's. Mm. You know, you, you basically. People like like stuff to be like you know basically through whatever whatever um, whatever the release format has been when it was vinyl, people wanted to, to vinyl to be as loud as you could possibly get mm. it. Yeah. And when it was CDs, they wanted to be as loud as you could get it. And now it's like, so now. Um, yeah, it's like there's a lot of these message boards and people saying mastering engineers like, oh, you know, the music would sound better. That was what happened during the video about Zanny, actually. This guy said it would be mm. better if it was... Somebody should explain to Billy that <laughs> she should... Maybe she'd like it better if it was 2 dB louder. And I, that's what I said in my comment. I said, you, 
you have no it's like you know there's not you know no no there's not gonna be a bunch of dudes mansplaining about yeah. loudness to Billie Eilish she doesn't you know that's the way they want it yeah and who's going to argue with the decisions they've made in their career yeah <laughs> you exactly. know it's like it it was streamed you know 475 million times in the first week Who that cares? those songs were out so <laughs> really what what are you talking about yeah. what are we even talking about you know mm, so nobody it. cares so i mean i think that um as long as there's any situation in which you're going to be going head to head with somebody, like if you send an MP3 to somebody and they're comparing it to something else, or and it's not as loud, then people are not going to be happy about that, you know. When we get to the point where it's only, oh, I don't know. Anyway, the, the, but, but so the 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 yeah, I'm a bit sort of exasperated about the whole thing because <laughs> I get criticised for yeah. making stuff loud, and that's what the client wants, and I don't appreciate it. You know, you get criticised for making it yes, louder. Yeah, yeah. It's really, like I thought it'd be the way Facebook is like, oh, well, it's too loud. You know? Oh, okay. But the thing is, is that that's what people want. And anyway, if you yeah, look at the is. levels of the, you know, if you take the top fifty on Spotify, mm. it's all like super loud. You mm. know? Mm. Something louder than. Billy's stuff actually so I mean it's, it's, know, it's a just, war it's a, well it's not it, no, in ter- no. in ter- I mean that in terms of radio so if you're if, yeah. you're if you're sitting listening to the radio you don't want your track to be the one that's in the middle that sounds the quietest yes no that's right well that's the issue radio I think, is a little mainly. bit different I yeah. think because radio what brings the level down is is low end actually so if you're going to do mm. a radio mix you don't want that much low end mm. Mm. then it'll be because you can you can hear like I remember when uh, you know that Madonna you know Confessions on a Dance Floor came out they were like that was one of the sort of early records where they didn't care how much like, they wanted tons of blow end on it but when you listen to it on the radio when the kick drum came in her voice her vocal pretty much disappeared Dis- yeah right so that's what happens on the radio so if you want to do that then you have to kind of finesse that so mm. you could you know you you but that's but you know people like Billy. I don't think they care about the radio. No, I don't think they're mm-hmm. interested in it really. It's a streaming. What's well, a new world now? Of yeah. So so yeah, the loud thing is sort of, um, you know. I mean, the question is, well, so what you've got to do is make it loud, but make it sound as though make punchy. Yeah, and loud. Mm. And if it starts getting kind of soft, and then it's you've gone too far. So mm. you have to make sure that it has. You know, that you've got the impact of the snare drum and the kick drum, and it's not all getting kind of washed out. Mm. And the way that you do that is in, in well, sometimes the way that you do that is by, um, you know, some, uh, you know, I'll run stuff out of, uh, through the analog chain, and then, you know, th- two channels, and then back in two channels, and you clip the converters on the way back in. Mm. So you, 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 and that's, that's, Depending on, you know, what your A to D sounds like, mm. it's a good sound, actually. Mm. It's kind of like tape mm. compression, actually. Mm. Yeah, kind of like what the tape does. It, it, it sort of cuts off the transients somehow without making them sound like they're... It's a big sound. Yeah. So if you just try to do it with limiting, sometimes you can't... You could, that, sometimes that's the only way you can get that sound. But then there's also certain disadvantages to that because sometimes you, um, yeah, sometimes you, you you can sort of affect the groove that way too. Mm. Sometimes that won't work, mm. and then so so you know sometimes so that's that's basically the game in mastering. It's like how how hard you hit the A to Ds on the way back. Sometimes not very hard. Sometimes very hard, mm. and then if not very hard, then you've got sort of two or three limiters on the end of it to kind of pull it back. You know, yeah. but you you have to kind of just finesse it so that it sounds good that's all mm. Mm. you know and it's and then you compare it to like you know Serban's stuff you know you compare it to like the Ariana Grande record you go mm. okay cool that's, mm. that's it you know it mm. sounds like that and it's that thing of like from a perspective of sending records away to mastering and receiving them I'm always gutted when they're quiet <laughs> like, yeah, like, I I'm always am I, I, yeah. and again it was that thing of like I get excited in the car when it's halfway up and it's Banging, mm. you know, and it's like when it's mine, I want to hear it back like that. It's mm. like, 
oh, that sounds shit. <laughs> like, you know, like, well, I want it to bang. I want it loud. Yeah. As the artist perspective, and, and to understand that mm. is, is, a, is a big deal. Yeah, that's, a, that's where the it whole is. thing is all about. That's what the whole thing is yeah, about. And it's a exactly. game of millimeters. It's very fine. Mm. You go over the top, it doesn't work. And then, so you have to know, you have to find that spot. Yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, so it's, yeah, that's what really, you know, takes the time. That's what takes the, Experience, mm. the experience thing you, you do it because everything's different too you know mm. um, some things that <clears throat> some things I'll end up doing in the box because you know they just you just don't get what you want from anything else and then mm. so you just leave it in the box and yeah. work on it that way and uh, yeah. but it's again you're using that you're still using your ears and your knowledge and, yeah. your, and your ability that's the yeah. thing it's like it doesn't make it right or wrong you're getting the best final output sound yes, yes. and so that's important when it's done and you're like okay that sounds mm. good mm. and then you send it to them and they're yeah. like yeah that sounds really but, good but that, that that level of sort of trust as well when you're working directly with an artist a lot it's like the guys we work with uh, are our friends in the development as well because yeah, exactly. you're along the way because so, well advise us on how to put this mix together mm. advise us on what compression to use here and if it needs it like tell us so, mm. so when so when we had, don't have to give you a hundred stems because we need you to mix it because we can't I just did that <laughs> yeah we just did that because it was like we just still can't pull out the things we want out of it because there's, there's a bit of you know some dodgy transients in there or something but once you've got so far of making it from an artist's perspective and obviously we produce so we, we are able to mix our music and mix mm. other people's music but that that have, having a lot of links in the chamber all with slightly ad, more advanced knowledge and understanding of when they just hear something yeah, yeah, that's yeah. so important as a group yeah, yeah so you, well you, you know the other aspect of mastering really I think that's we should talk about at this mm. particular mm. point is that it's 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 an objective set of ears. Mm. Mm. So everybody up to that stage has heard the thing a hundred times or more, a thousand mm. times, or yeah. whatever it is. <clears throat> so it's somebody that I have never heard it before. And in fact, um, you know, that's the way that it works best is that you hear it and you do something right away. It's not the kind of, then, then if you have to then go back and make changes and stuff, you sort of lose that freshness and yeah. then you're just, you know, they're just giving you instructions and you're doing them. Mm. You know, you're doing it because they have specific things that they want, mm. and that's fine. But your first thing that you think of is usually the best thing. And that's really how it works. It's a sort of an instantaneous mm. feedback thing, and you've never heard it before. Mm. And that's your advantage, you mm. know. And that's why traditionally they're divided up, you know, the recording process, mm. the mixing process, and the mastering process, because... If you, you know, really, if you have one person um, doing, doing, except it BDM, as we're talking about, you know, yeah. that's kind of a different thing. But, yeah. but for the most part, um, yeah, people, you might go all the way through that process and not realize something or be listening to something. Or mm. what happens to me when I used to, because I've done the mixing and mastering thing, and it's like you get obsessed about the snare sound or something, and that's basically your main obsession all the way through the whole thing <laughs> and then you're mastering it and you're still obsessed about that and then you don't hear some like other thing you mm. know that's <laughs> yeah it's so, a, the 808 disappears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you like haven't noticed that something else is like there's some glaring problem somewhere mm. else yeah it's like so that's i think another point about it it's like every you know all the records that we love have a mastering credit on them mm why is that you know well, it's because you're you're because you and and actually i have a friend that says you shouldn't get your record master by anybody who's under 50 <laughs> because you know they sort of listen to a lot of stuff you know and uh you know somebody like bernie bernie grumman is like well, he's got to be over 80 now and he's still cutting legs then they're cutting lacquers every day and he's like <laughs> and uh you i mean he's you know from michael jackson to like whatever else you know he's he's really he knows what he's doing mm. you know so mm. if you want to get your stuff done then but but that's it isn't it that's like knowledge is key right i mean it's just, yeah. and just that's how, however long your hearing can hang <laughs> yeah. in there yeah. for well yeah. that's an interesting <laughs> thing too because i my hearing probably isn't is, well it's not as good as it used to be i mean in terms of hearing high end but what i've noticed is that you you can sort of you can hear it anyway actually 
Mm. There's, I think there's more to hearing than actually the physical thing. You sort of feel it yeah. in your body mm. yeah, as yeah. well. Mm. So it hasn't, because I was thinking about that. As I got older, I was like, mm, you know, I don't know, maybe I should stop doing this. But actually, no, it turns out that that's not really the case. I mean, you know, Al Schmidt, for example, Mr. You know, recorded Frank Sinatra. And, mm-hmm. I mean, Al's, I, Al just had his 90th birthday and he's still working at Capitol. And he's still doing stuff. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he does, a lot of, he does a lot of Pilates. I think. Yeah. yeah. That's what he does. He's the key. He can still walk around and get the microphones from the <laughs> mic closet without the aid of a walker or something like that. But it's, you know, it, aside from like music actually being in your bones, but the ability to react. So it's like you said about the groove and dancing being mm. the sole purpose. It's like, I obsess of certain sounds and songs because, and certain artists that make them for exactly that. It's the, the, the movement, like a snare. When a snare hits you, you, you feel it when you're in a room, you know. It, like, it, and it, it is the mm. same way when you listen to a record on a decent hi-fi. You hear mm. like, the definition of attack on every instrument. You hear the, 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 the fingerprint on the key of the piano and that should, yeah. it, that's how it should be, you know. It's intrinsic. Yeah, so the, the other thing that I was going to say actually that um, about that is that like in the audiophile world, for example, yep. they have these records that are there's no compression on them. There's no. There's just a bunch mm. of people playing in a room and mm-hmm. you know, jazz recording or something, and it, you know, the natural sound of the instruments. So what I found with that is, is that if you have, you know, a five hundred thousand dollar playback system, with huge speakers mm. and all that, it sounds fantastic. Yeah. But if you play it back on your phone, it will sound dull yeah. and. So it has to be. This is the this is the the thing about the loudness thing. Honestly, I I think my thing. If I play this is a Google Pixel mm-hmm. and it uses like the, you know, the back as a you know the the oh, resonance yeah. board something. So it's like it has some low end. Yeah. And um, if I play back, if it sounds really good on my phone, I'm like, well, I'm really happy. Mm. Yeah. And that's without headphones. It's just yeah, playing just, it straight yeah, off, yeah, off the speakers. Yeah, straight right. off the phone. Yeah. Um, and because, I mean, if you have too much dynamic range, mm. it's going to sound weak, mm. actually. Yeah. And right. you don't want, you because you don't know how people are going to first hear your music. And it's a very you have people have very it's a short attention span world, mm. and I I you know I learned this as I had two kids and when they were teenagers you know the two girls and they'd be like they have this you know stuff in iTunes and if it doesn't come out of the gate and grab you within the first sort of two seconds the down next. arrow yeah. is and it's on to the next yeah. yeah so it has to kind of you know you can't you you have to and that's really you know another part of my job is that. You have to give people the best possible chance for survival yeah. in in the world, mm. you know, wherever this is going to appear on a phone or a laptop, no bass, mm. you know, whatever it is that people, get, however it is people get earbuds, mm. et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you, you, you have to, um, yeah, you, you, you really, it's maximizing the, not only the creative sort of side of it, but also the commercial mm. Uh, yeah, commercial side of it too. So I think there's, there's never been a time where there's so many varied different types of devices, and and you know, like you're saying, if you play that just on your phone, mm. there's no low end, or there's very little. So you have to kind of mm. pull what low end there is up to a, a well, higher band, maybe I don't yeah. know. To, to well, kind the of low end, yeah. So it, it but it, it so it's just, coming through your kicks. You yeah, can hear, you know. Yeah, so you have to be able to hear the top end of the kick, but you. Yeah. But also, it's just kind of a. It's like it has a certain tension. When you listen to it, you mm. go. That sounds really good, even mm. if it's on a phone. It mm. makes you're like, yeah, I'd like to listen to that some more, you know. Yeah. I'd like to listen to that on my actual system with bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so awesome. Yeah. So a um, couple of things that we've, we've, a running theme that's developed, I suppose, through, through the podcast. And, and obviously because uh, this is geared around not just people that kind of either are established and already know what they're doing, or it might be people that are kind of considering where their place is in, in the whole thing. But yeah. Mm. Um, what what sort of three tips would you give to somebody now that's starting out in mastering? Three tips. Mm. It could be anything. Yeah. Um, well, I would say first of all, um, deal with people with integrity. Mm. I'd say that above all else, be straight with people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, don't do this sort of salesy thing and. That's important, yeah. You know, yeah, because the thing is, you're gonna, 
you you basically and then leading from that number two would be um that i think that the way that you uh become successful and this is true in um film the film where for example if you think about um you know david lynch for example hey there's a team of people and they sort of all went up together mm. as the thing became successful he kept the same people mm. and it's a consistent product and it has a sort of a a visual signature it has a sound you know the music mm. um the whole and that's he 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 sort of created this whole sort of thing you know and so um and so I think that you that that's kind of my view of how it works. It's like we, which I've seen happen with you know working with Billy. It's like you get involved with people, you don't know really where it's going. Although you know it's good to work with talented people, of course. Mm. Mm. But um, and then you they become successful. You become successful. Um, so that's kind of how it happens. It's all about. Um, you know, you got to find your friends. It's not like, you know, L.A. Reid calls you one day and says, hey, I want you to master this record. Of you know, that's yeah. not going to happen. You know, it's not like, or it's not that you, it, 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 I mean, networking is good, you know, going to parties and so forth and, and just getting your name about. But, but um, again, it's, you, you, you know, um, yeah, so you work on stuff that's good. Believe in it. Believe in yourself. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, just stick to it, you know. Mm. I think that's probably the main advice that I'd... I, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, th there isn't really any... And then, you know, there's sort of luck, I suppose, really. But, it, it, but ab above that, it's like the sort of, um, you know, this 10,000-hour thing, you know what that is. Is this guy? Um, oh, his name wrote a book about. So the the idea is that it. That's not going to sound very good in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's this guy. I can't remember what his name is. Yeah. Um, what is his name? Anyway, there's the book. So his thesis is that it takes. If you want to be a computer programmer, or you want to be a mastering engineer, you want to mix records and stuff. 10,000 hours, his theory, yes. is about yeah. the right I've, I've amount heard, of I've time. I've read about this. Yeah. 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 So um, you, I don't know what, 10,000 mm. 10, hours is about sort of five years of 40-hour weeks. So I don't know. I worked it out mm. at one point. I don't know exactly what it is. Um, but, uh, yeah, so you have to do it a lot. Mm. And then slowly these things become clear to you. Like, you'll, you know, you might, like, for example, I'm very slow you know, with equipment. I know I, it takes me a long time to feel like if I've got a compressor, it's like, I'll have it for like six months and then one day I'll go, oh, I see. It's been <laughs> Are you good with um, the instructions or do you just kind of get a feel for it? Because no. I know we're really bad on the instructions. Oh, I mean, <laughs> open yeah, the box, yeah. lob it away yeah. and just no, put the key you, in. <laughs> you, you suddenly discover that, um, yeah, you, you find out things about, you know, you, you've got to do, but it's the skill really in mastering, anyway, is listening. It's not fiddling about with the equipment. Yeah. The skill is listening. Mm. And you develop the ability to listen. Yeah, maybe it's like the elevator going up and the elevator coming down. You know, as your hearing gets worse, your experience. There comes a point where the two are like this, and then after that it continues to go the other direction. But when you, you know, you have, when you understand, like, yeah, really how to listen to stuff, really how to listen into it. Mm. Um, and I mean, it, that's a very difficult, it's, it's a difficult thing because there's so many things going on when you listen to mm. a mix. Mm. In different it's, genres and all kinds of different... Yeah, and yeah. I mean, there's like, you know, all kinds of shit happening, you know, especially mm. if it's a live recording. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we always, not struggle, but there's definitely a bigger challenge in mixing and mastering something that's got live element, electronic element, and then... Yeah. You know, like program drums versus we we overlay my drumming, which is the live drumming, on top of program drums. It just, it just seems to be in terms of like transients. I don't know what it is, but it's always more difficult, a lot more difficult when you kind of end up heavily affecting live drums and, mm. and then leaving more clarity in program mm. um, to get the groove really. Yeah, um, mm, and a lot crazy. of a lot of the music we make together, especially recently, has been 
more inspired by I guess sort of house music and and, and um, disco as well actually like those sort of rhythms and grooves with like lock in bass and exactly it so you're and, trying to gr- grab that sort of get that with live them. groove in with the yeah, electronic with, and it's it's yeah it's I think one thing that I actually I went through this phase recently where I started listening to well the Massive Attack album mm, yeah. Mezzanine oh yeah, yeah. that yeah. has yeah, a lot I, of, you've got to go back in on that one every yeah, now and again yeah that has binge. like because that's you know live mm. instruments <coughs> and a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah, yeah it's and um, that's a really interesting. Need. And then the the uh, the Portis Head, you know, the album Dummy. I think it's mm. called. That's a really interesting. Yeah, because there's they, lots of turntablism on Dummy, isn't there? And yeah, stuff well, the, the technology mm. when they made, if you think about it, when they made those records, mm. it's not they didn't have like yeah. you mm. know. I think the well, M- M- MPC yeah. could have like what, like four samples on it. Or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah. like roughly. No, I mean, it, it's, uh, it, it, and and I think that's that's actually a really good thing uh, to do or to try. If I was in the business of um, creating music, which I, mm. I I think about going back to from time to time, but yeah. I don't have time these days anyway. But but I think it would be a really good idea to do something with like just. You know, get an eight-track tape recorder. Mm. I just make your record on that. Yeah. Make yeah. it work. Yeah, make it work. So, you know, that mm. would be. I think, you know, you'd end up with something because mm. there's there's a problem with having infinite tracks. You know, which is that you you kind of never really make decisions about it. Well, <laughs> also you get lazy. It used to be that you know you cut that track and that take had to be that take or yeah. you know you, you, there's not that many times you can go back and redo it without right. burning through tape and, and time and studio time and all that. whereas now you're kind of like yeah well I'll put it down yeah, delete now it. delete mm. now do it again yeah now do it again and it mm. seems to be because you haven't got the studio um, time pressure because mm. you, yeah. normally you're on a laptop right. and uh, and you've got this infinite take thing so I think that's influencing the sound of exactly. you don't get that kind of a, um, urgency uh, you know well, from that first take yeah exactly and Pro Tools last forever doesn't yeah. it so, yeah, well, yeah, well, then again there, there's some people that um, are, like I had a friend who, who was like he was making an album and he actually ended up recording it in a this is in San Francisco. And he, I can't remember what studio it was, but a largish live room, mm. and invited sort of twenty five, thirty people to, and then they would just play the songs, and they would do it like, you know, two or three times for each song, so that you had, mm. you could choose different bits of it. But and then that's your, it's because you know you have to commit. Mm. If you're playing live, you can't just go, oh wait a minute, okay stop, you know, let's do it again. You know, you have to, yeah, you have to you commit. Play. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of a an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Because mm. because you get you get plugins now that are built into Ableton that create a live feel to something. I mean, obviously you can like just like unquantize bits and bobs of programming, mm. but there's like a go button that's like I want this to sound live, and that it makes things sloppy. Oh, it's really? like yeah, yeah, there's like a couple a Max for Live, I think it is. There's a couple of plugins mm. there, and it's like <laughs> I mean, I'd rather this is what I mean. Do you know? I'd rather pick up a guitar and fuck it up the first yeah. take and be like, actually, that was kind of cool. Keep it, yeah. keep it. Mm. Strung, string broke. Fuck it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it sounded yeah. good, you know. Like no, I, I, it's I've so had weird. The, like, I've had the experience where, I, in fact, I found it on cassette tape of some stuff the other mm. day. I was listening to it, and I'm like. God, that bass part's fantastic. Yeah. Who did that? And then I, I, I realized after a while that it was me about 15 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Amazing. And, like, and at the time, I remember thinking, well, that sucks, you know. But <laughs> yeah. it's like, you yeah. know, so it's kind of hard to tell, actually. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. Uh, <laughs> is, that, is that, I mean, the mastering advice, is that? Yeah, I think, yeah. I think as okay? uh, a. Uh, as a side question that I wanted to ask mm. uh, very quickly, I know that I've read somewhere, I can't remember now, uh, somewhere that you, you ad- adopt a kind of a Buddhist approach. In, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> have, one question I had is, have, have you ever heard of a, a gentleman called uh, Sadhguru? No. Is that someone new to you? Is it, so the, the reason why I asked that is because um, I found this guy and he just he, he's, he's a Hindu Buddhist, but he basically is traveling around the world answering questions by, in front of tens of hundreds of thousand people uh, now. And I just haven't heard an answer that he's given that hasn't been so succinct and perfectly mm. worded. <laughs> so I urge you if, you, if you are of that kind of ilk, to, mm. to, to look him up. Hmm. Uh, S A D H Guru, basically, okay. is an uh, Indian. Yeah, I think uh, I've Indian heard of him. But one of the things he was saying was, um, you know, if 
obviously he's an advocate of meditation I meditate twice a day um, you meditate I meditate twi- twice I do 50 minutes in the morning 50 minutes at night he, he has a thing called um, he's got the Isha Foundation Aisha Foundation Aisha Foundation it's called actually uh, so there's one called the Aisha Kriya I think Kriya might be commonly used I don't know but um, the Aisha Kriya basically it's about presence but also reminding yourself that you're not the body and you're not the mind um, but it kind of puts you in a state that I found quite familiar because it's almost exactly the same feeling that you get from creating music and when you, mm. either whether you're creating it or you're contributing to it, what you find is that you, you, you sort of are enveloped in this kind of state, this mm. bubble mm. and it's almost exactly the same feeling and I was just curious to understand if, if, if you'd felt the same kind of thing or if, if that was something that was uh, experienced by you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you can definitely... You can definitely think when you're listening, when you're sitting in front of a pair of stereo speakers, you're like, well, the drums are there and this is there, and that, but there's actually nothing there. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell you about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, so anyway, it's very, that's interesting when you start thinking about the illusory nature of things. So that that's an interesting thing to think about. But I think mainly for me, um, I think mainly it's kind of like what I've learned from Buddhism is that it's um, it's about sort of um, uh, overcoming your sort of obsessive concern with your own welfare and and sort of turning outwards mm. to other people. So in the integrity your, piece. In well, in your work, you 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 yeah you you try to help people really. Mm. You're, you're helping them the best way you can. And if you're approaching it like that. Then, or, or you're approaching your life generally like mm. that, then that's, uh, you know, I think that's, uh, that's a very valuable thing. I mean, you know, the basic thing in Buddhism is that <clears throat> if you examine uh, the psychological profile of <clears throat> somebody who's miserable, you'll find that they've almost entirely sort of sunken in on themselves. Mm. Mm. And they're not, you know, it's, so it's kind of, axiomatic that mm. if you shift your concern to other people you'll solve your problems mm. at the same time I mean mm. it's, just, it's just very simple really so I think that's kind of the overarching theme of the whole thing mm. in, in one's life and and you can you can bring that into your work as well then mm. um, you know it works very well because that's what people like you know people yeah. like to feel like you think that they're important yeah, <laughs> yeah of course yeah. <laughs> if you just if you meet somebody and they're completely self-absorbed and they're only talking about themselves it's very off-putting yeah yes so if you ask people you know, just ask people you know, yeah so how about you yeah well mm. what do you what do you want you know what do, what do you want what do you feel you know yeah. how can i help i think you? i think it allows you to adopt a very calm way and of calm, approaching that calm well. is good yeah that yes. means that means if if you know on the rare occasions when somebody just says you know yeah I don't like it I'm going to get someone else to do it you go okay okay cool Cool. (laughs) (laughs) well I think that's a really really cool place to leave it it's a lovely Um, place to end the podcast I was going to say again thank you so much for taking the time out and um, when's your flight back so Monday oh it's Monday so you've got a little bit of time I'll be back here in October though oh okay um, because I'm I'm actually yeah thinking about building a studio over here oh really well I was working with um the Mr. Hudson, and it's very interesting working with producers because they're they're people they're they have lots of ideas about things. They're very good at solving problems. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was in I, I own this property in England, and he was on the south coast, and he was saying, I think what you should do is build a studio there, and then you can go and work there for the five months mm. of the year when it's too hot in Los mm. Angeles, and that would be nice. And I'm like. Mm. Not a bad idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> it's a great idea. Because <laughs> yeah. it's like once it gets up into the mid 90, you know, 30 mm. to 35, mm. I feel like I'm in a spaceship. Yeah. I? Like I can't go. If yeah, I go outside, I'll die. Mm. Studio world in summer is not fun at times, is it? No. The thing. no. So, um, so, I'm <clears throat> so anyway, I'm going to be back later in the year to do that. But awesome. Well, do not be a stranger to yeah, the, no. the court. Come and say hello, yeah. and we'll definitely yes. come and. Uh, have a look at your studio if we're uh, yeah. if we're invited at any yeah, point. Good wonderful. luck with that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very Thank much. Thank you again. Oh, it's been a Cheers, pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. you.
Well, there it was. Thank you uh, again to John Greenham for coming on uh, to the podcast. Um, and thank you, dear listener, for spending some more time with us. Um, again, don't forget to go over to our socials and check us out. Give us a follow so that we can keep you updated. Um, and um, subscribe to the, the podcast on whatever platform it is you're listening to us on. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. We've got some uh, more awesome stuff coming up. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. All right, bye.